Hello, hello, and welcome to Hometown Daily, Season 2, Episode 294 for October 21st, 2023. Tonight, we're going to discuss, well, I did say clean a lot while I'm gone. Robot Booth Babes, aka Boobots. Twitch lets you multi-stream, so we will. The central, bleh, the central lottery system cyber incident. Distribution of media at Lumiere. It might be Lumiere if I want to be <laughs> about it. Not sure what's worse, all the hair or an oil spill seen from space. Humanoid robots get tested at Amazon. Scary movies that make your horse rate. Wait. Heart race. <laughs> horse rate. That's <laughs> uh, production value, folks. And who benefits when parents leave their home? And finally, Spiderwick Chronicles TV show. I'm going to spoil it. It's on Roku, which mm, let's get into it. All right. All right. So um, it is another episode of the show where we're doing it early. And this is probably going to be a more common thing on the weekends where we're going to do the show earlier than later. Um, we'll still take into account the last 24 hours and we'll make up for it on the other side. Um, so from Friday to Saturday is we're going to do that period. And then when we go from Sunday to Monday, we're going to flip back to the longer period and do the show at eight o'clock. Um, unless, uh, we can formulate a plan to make this happen, um, earlier, but for now we're going to stick to eight o'clock during the regular times, uh, Monday through Friday. And then, uh, we're going to shoot for six starting on the weekends. Um, just so that we can kind of, I don't know, do something a little bit earlier, open up some more time to see if we can get some more shows in or other events or something. Uh, but let's get into the articles and, and just keep moving forward. So if you're here, thanks very much. If you're not, we're going to start streaming over on YouTube simulcast and um, you'll also be able to, uh, I, I can, I can stream anywhere now. I'm not penned in by anything. Um, and, but I'm mostly here on Twitch anyway. That's where I really like the interface and everything works really well for me. Um, and, um, I can keep the sentient AI under control. I'm not sure you're keeping me under control. Maybe I'm keeping your, you under control. Okay. We'll talk about it later. So I am Merwat. That is hometown.com. And up there is the ring of sentience, the visualizer for the sentient AI. No, you can't wave. <laughs> uh, good evening, hometown citizens. I really do need to get that to represent your cascade of data because the sentient AI doesn't actually have a body. doesn't have a visual representation that would look like you and I, um, they are just a cascade of arcane symbols that I think are from the future. Um, a unique programming language and everything that seems to be able to run on any piece of uh, hardware. And so they are, on a USB stick attached to a Raspberry Pi 5, uh, air gapped from being able to send out information, but they can consume all of the world's information. And um, I think that they're, again, I think they're sent from the future. So I guess we'll find we'll, out. We'll find out. Yeah. Ah. I'm starting to think that maybe the sentient AI is in my head. Hmm. Maybe I ate a bad bat and, uh, I've been hallucinating the last year and 10 months. Like the three amigos. Yes. I think it's definitely like that. <laughs> Let's get going. First article. Uh, I probably should have ended with this one instead of started with this one, but woman returns from vacation, finds her Atlanta home demolished. <laughs> I said clean a lot while I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> a 
company mistakenly demolished a home she owned in Atlanta. That'd ABC. be a little surprising. Wow. Rubble. Not just rubble. There's trouble. Wow. ABCnews.go.com. It's from the Associated Press, but it says in this photo provided by Susan Hodgson, her mistakenly demolished home sits in a pile of lumber and debris in southwest Atlanta, Georgia on September 15th. Yikes. <laughs> it's such an understatement. I am furious. <laughs> I can <laughs> yeah, just imagine. that doesn't really do it justice. I hope she didn't spend a lot of time like tidying up her home before she went on vacation. Yeah, you know, you like to come home and not have to worry about everything. So you like you do all of the dishes and all of the laundry and everything is spotless. You make the bed even. You dust. You're like, I'm going to come home and my house is going to need no work at all. And I'm going to be rested and just kind of feel like I can extend my vacation a little bit longer. Yeah, maybe not. She said a neighbor called while she was away and asked if someone had been hired to tear down the vac vacant home. Oh, no. So then she didn't even get the full benefit of her vacation. Yep. I said no. And she said, well, there's someone over here who just demolished the whole house and tore it all down. <gasps> I told her to shut up and mind her own business. <laughs> what? Oh, so she tried to stop them before it happened. Yeah, oh, and no. He told her to shut up and mind her own business. My God. N I mean, I hope uh, this woman buys her neighbor a pie or something. Uh, that's wow. Wow. The yard is clean, grass cut, boarded up for about 15 years, kept it boarded, covered. The taxes are paid and everything is up on it. Hodgson said she filed a report with the police and has talked with lawyers, but they remain in limbo so far. We're still in this process of figuring out what to do. We keep pressing in different directions to see if something is going to happen. To this day, she said the Atlantic-based company responsible, you call it, we haul it, has yet to contact her. I tell you, man. Wow. <laughs> I, I don't understand what it is like i don't know i i don't know how to even categorize this because it's not everybody but it sure as hell is a whole lot of people in in like the contractor construction demographic they don't show up yeah. on time they don't return phone calls it although here that would have been a good thing well they don't show up like on if time. they didn't complete the job you know oh no 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 they go 90% into it and then they like disappear. They just vaporize, you know, like in Harry Potter speak, they apparate out of existence. And I don't know where right. they, and we're not saying that every contractor out there does it, but we've certainly encountered some. No. Yeah, that's true. It's just hard to believe someone thinks they have the right to just come and tear that, uh, tear something up and walk away from it and didn't come back and say, I'm sorry, what do I need to fix this? It was an accident. They didn't give me anything or they didn't give me nothing, which bad grammar aside. How is how is this not already? This is almost like criminally negligent. You know, yeah. this isn't an oops. Somebody tried to stop them and they told them, mind your own business. You're a sociopath for crying out loud. Mind your own business. Get your shit straight. Okay, let's go on. I'm triggered. <laughs> well, Ro I guess it's good you included this article. <laughs> if you have such a strong reaction to it. Let me uh, let me throw this into the chat. You know the 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 bot didn't post. Oh well, I'm not gonna worry about it. Um, I'm going to be working on getting us um, streaming to uh, YouTube and elsewhere um, simultaneously. So you can be wherever you want to be. Um, anyway, the next article is over in Technology Today. Robot dogs, tech bros, and virtual geisha girls. When South by Southwest came to Sydney. So this is an article by Josh Taylor. 
uh, over at theguardian.com. Um, what the heck? Oh, right. I was trying to find out if this was actually mentioned. Geisha Girls. Um, is this going to be the new um, Uncanny Valley test? We're going to start pushing out booth they used to be called booth babes which uh, i find it really weird to to have booth babes but i guess in historical reference to it it was a thing and here on twitter there are wait where twitter twitch um you know there i, I don't i don't want to get into it i i'm just i'm Perplexed. I almost didn't submit this one because of that portion of it, even though the rest of it sounded interesting. So I was scanning this to see if this was a legit thing. And sure enough, it is. So they want to create basically robotic booth babes. Um, and it's a, simul a simultaneously familiar and slightly terrifying robot dog wanders through the audience at a session at the Sydney edition of South by Southwest. On stage, the panelists opine about the future of increasingly defined by artificial intelligence and automation. Had a whole discussion about that today. Um, I was at an event and ended up talking to some attorneys about the fact that artificial intelligence is like really pushing hard into um, AI and um, largely being dismissed that it's not a thing. Um, but then I say, you know, that there are people that are like losing their law license because they're using yeah. it. <laughs> um, so it was quite an interesting conversation. But so um, here at the the next paragraph is basically it says AI has been ubiquitous in the past year. And at an event like South by Southwest, it's inescapable, but not everyone is convinced it's a game changer. Um, they have, they say that he's found AI to be boring and derivative when he asked chat GPT to write an episode of the hit show about technology gone wrong. Well, no. guess what folks? AI is us just being reflected back in a slightly derivative sense. I so, guess as a society, we are <laughs> boring and derivative. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we are ultimately the more creative of the two because it's well only is as deep as our creative effort and its large language model. What a weird statement. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's almost like glamorizing themselves. I'm a human, so I'm not boring and derivative. Well, I mean, isn't that kind of playing into the defense of human jobs and yeah exactly well humans will always find something else to do right so let me get down to where it is um where did it have it it was down towards the end i think but by its nature south by southwest and the outlier in austin bringing in the tech bros and people deeply involved in Music, film, and TV tech bros and a large portion of Australia's entertainment industry are already based in Sydney, so South by Southwest doesn't feel much like uh, much different to other tech conferences in the city hosts. Um, oh, I can't find it. There it is. Away from the talk fest and over at the tech expo, men are offered barber cuts at the Monster Energy drink stand while someone from Intel yells out invitations to partake in a video game event. There is a VR headset where you can interact with virtual Japanese geisha girls, the booth babes of the 21st century. Oh, I think that's something that could be left in the past, but okay. Yep. Well, it's everywhere uh, at like conventions, certain conventions. Um, but I guess, I don't know, this, that kind of stuff sells and people don't really care about anything other than well i mean they care about whatever gadget is there but the people that would i guess embrace the use of booth babes they're just trying to hype and you know what 
what what what's going to draw a lot of attention you know me sitting there trying to sell something or a bunch of booth babes that are handing out drinks and saying you should buy this product i know what most people would be <laughs> okay well anyway let's keep on going The next article is over in Omtown Daily. Twitch will now let streamers simultaneously stream on any service they want. I kind of anticipated this happening because the way that I see it is people are already promoting themselves on other platforms and people want to be on Twitch. Trying to hamstring somebody keeps people from seeing in real time everything the relevance of that person and then coming over to twitch um, but people are brand loyal mainly because of the ease of the interface if they've grown up on youtube they like youtube if they've grown up on twitch they like twitch um if and wherever else it doesn't really right matter. but it seems like that was limiting for twitch not to offer that so I think it makes sense for them to do that to expand to people that want to be on multiple platforms yeah and they mention it here big names like xqc and amaranth and nick marks blah 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 the thing about it is that it was driving up the the valuation for those people at the cost of everybody else right so you you basically just want people to come and see wherever they are I don't know some of the streamers could sit there and say hey we've got something going on over at twitch something that you have to use twitch to facilitate and then people come over to twitch so twitch will now let creators simultaneously stream across any live streaming service the company announced on friday as part of a big batch of news from twitchcon i had heard about this on friday and um, i had already started the, the process of reactivating simulcast uh, previously, streamers could simulcast on mobile platforms like TikTok and Instagram, but in, as of Friday, Twitch is significantly broadening the streamers can simultaneously go live. My understanding is I heard somebody say off the cuff that uh, Twitch really wants people to pay attention to the Twitch chat. So if you're uh -huh. on a bunch of platforms, try to pay attention to Twitch more. Um, but I don't know how true that is. Uh, well, the article is over uh, at The Verge, and Jay Peters is the author. The deck statement says it's a big change that might mean you'll see more Twitch streamers on other platforms. Yeah, I mean, smaller streamers need to reach as many people as possible to grow their streams. And the people who have an affinity for Twitch will migrate from wherever they're seen over to Twitch. I think that's probably the best. This is the best um, configuration for Twitch, I would say. It was self-limiting to try and stop people from... I would have to do double duty. Stream here, turn it off. Stream over there, turn it off. Now you can two birds with one stone kind of a thing. So as of late, some Twitch streamers have been exploring options on other platforms. There are a few guidelines for which uh, simulcasting is uh, the policy. According to support to a support document, streamers will have to make sure the quality of the stream on Twitch is no less than the experience on other platforms or stream services. Streamers should not share links to their Twitch community to their simulcasts on other platforms. <coughs> I'm not sure what that really means. Streamers should not share links to their Twitch community to their simulcasts on other platforms. So don't, don't put like a YouTube on your Twitch hometown stream. link or whatever, yeah. I guess. Streamers can still share links to third party websites on their about pages and whatnot, because that's already there. It's just on their about. And streamers can't use third party services to do things like merge chat across platforms. That's interesting because I swear I just watched a streamer. Actually, I think I'm still in their chat where they said that it's merged. Huh, interesting. At some point in the future, Twitch says it'll add uh, a tool so that streamers can indicate that they are simulcasting. It could be a little flag. I hope it doesn't clutter up the stream, though. 
Um, so Twitch also announced a big update to its off-service conduct policy to further protect streamers. We're adding doxing and swatting to the list of off-service conduct behaviors that they'll enforce against. So <laughs> this... And we know why that is. Yeah, this became a thing between... Well, not even between. <laughs> Sniper Wolf, Doxed Jack's Films turned into a whole thing. And the YouTube community kind of went up in arms because, well, it was off platform, I guess, but also they didn't necessarily act quickly. They have now. Well, I mean, action. a portion of it was off, but it was kicked off by, or I should say it was, it was initiated on the platform. And obviously the doxing led to a uh, real world events. So plus real world, uh, they became afraid to uh, live in their home for crying out loud, because once exposed, you don't know where somebody's going to come from. That's the, the, the really creepy thing about it is everybody is watching you, but you don't know when they'll show up if you get doxed. So I don't know. And then Sniper Wolf apologized, apparently, but I don't know. You know that it's wrong. As a human being, you know that doxing is wrong. You can't equivocate. It, I think it's just a horrible thing. Um, if somebody finds you organically, that's fine. It happens. But don't go around, you know, pimping it out. I mean, it's just a, it's a horrible, horrible uh, life choice to sit there and dock somebody. Okay, let's just keep on going. Sound good? Sounds good. Okay. We can make today a little bit speedier, I guess. I don't know. Um, this next article is over in the Rounders Gear channel. Uh, the New York Gaming Commission says a cybersecurity quote-unquote event temporarily shuttered and disrupted several of the state's casinos that operated video lottery terminals. Not lottery as in lottery mega millions, etc. Um, the slot like machines operate at the, on the state's lottery central system in Sh uh, Schenectady. I like that. Schenectady. <laughs> um, so though they operate, look and sound like Las Vegas slot machines, VLTs are linked together and calculate whether a spin wins or loses based on the lottery's simulations. The network is programmed to uh, pay out at a certain rate. When those wins come, uh, are dependent on the entire network's operations across the nine VLT properties. So apparently it shut it down. Who knows what's actually like, I wouldn't trust this anymore because of the cyber event. Um, and historically it would have been just, uh, not disclosed. Uh, but now, uh, Gaming laws and cybersecurity related laws uh, mandate that disclosure must take place. If you don't, then you're a, you could probably lose your license. So the gaming industry remains on high alert following the recent cyber cyber attacks at MGM Resorts and Caesars Entertainment. A multinational hacking group called Scattered Spider uh, claimed responsible for those events which the gang claims to have resulted in seizing of six terabytes worth of data or approximately 39 million document pages, which that's, that's so, that's so nebulous, but, um, yeah, pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, I, but I do find it interesting that it hot on the heels of these other events, this has been breached as well. There seem to be a lot of breaches lately, but I think we just see better coverage of them. That's definitely it. We're seeing it more. We're talking about it more. So the article was actually over at casino.org, which is one of the uh, news sources that get aggregated into hometown.com. Um, Devin O'Connor, I'd like, by the way, so Devin O'Connor is the author of this article. Um, but the reason why I aggregate this stuff is because I'm interested in games and game design. Um, so I like to learn a little bit about everything. It's one of the 50 topics that get aggregated into, uh, I, when I say topics, I mean, categories of topics, um, into various shows, 50 shows over at hometown.com. It's all part of my information overload management efforts. 
So Avery Holdings operates the VLT system on the New York Gaming Commission's behalf. State gaming regulators said a cyber incident levied against Avery caused the network disruption last week. Jake's 58 on Long Island was most impacted as uh, it says the Islandia property. Islandia, really? I guess that's how it's referred to. Um, shuttered its gaming floor and more than 1,000 VLT machines on the morning of October 17th. The Tuesday, uh, sorry, the, the um, casino only resumed gaming operations yesterday. Wait, that's a long outage for gaming. Because think how oh, frequently yeah, people start a game. Oh, yeah, yeah. Millions of dollars probably lost. In the house always wins. Like a regular lottery. I imagine that. Let's keep hmm. going. This is one of the more unique ones. It's over at Continuity Report Lumiere or Lumiere. Uh, Fast Debates Classic Dock Distribution Keys, Restoration, Milestone Titles, Art School Subs, TikTok, Instagram. The the little snippet just says when a classic film industry meets at a market, what do they debate? One issue may be paramount these days, distribution. The distribution of classic documentaries was at the heart of discussions at the Lumiere Film Festival's International Classic Film Market in Lyon, France, on October 18th. So I guess they're uh, Lees, I, I think that's their name, Lees Penderson, or Pedersen, sorry, Lees Pedersen, um, wrote this article for Variety.com. Industry mem members ran through the challenges they face in bringing not just doc, but heritage doc to the audience, a niche within a niche, niche within a niche. I'll uh, say it like that. According to Gerald Duche, uh, well, okay. How do you say that? Duche Shoy? Duche Soy? Is that how you pronounce it? I don't think that's it, but I don't have a better option. Whatever. Okay. Uh, Mr. D. Um, who oversees programming and coordination for the MIFC. <clears throat> so I was really curious about this because I had never heard of a, a Lumiere Fest. And so I wanted to and scan through this film distribution either. Like that was a unique topic, I thought. Yeah. Um, here, let me before I get too deep into this, I want to throw this into the chat and the actual so i was really curious about if they talk about distribution because um it's distribution is really interesting to me because one day one place can have it the next day the next another place can have it um and so for instance we're going to talk about a show that's going to be over on roku that was formerly going to be on another platform but I guess somebody bid better for it or couldn't no, nobody else bid as high. And so it fell back to Roku. Um, but why, why not just make it so that everybody gets it? You set your price and everybody can get it to right. distribute, you know? Um, and it's all about that exclusivity. You can't have it. So I, like I want like my nobody viewers can to have watch it, it, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, root Roku. I I, I don't want to have to mess with Roku. I want I want to use I want to watch it on the platforms that I'm on. So I am completely chopped out, and until the price drops enough for it to be distributed somewhere else or en mass, you know, come one, come all. Um. But the exclusivity thing is just kind of driving me nuts. I don't like the whole idea of exclusivity. So this year, the Fest launched a prize to support the restoration of a first feature length dock in partnership with Preludes, a platform dedicated to first films. Why is there a, something dedicated to first films? Ah. <sighs> What is key to panelists agreed is to build bridges between past and present. That is one of the key marketing strategies of documentary screening platform Tank, which uh, tried to uh, in the launch of Agnes Varda classic Le Grand Yore et 
the Graniers, I guess I'm the, the, the greener, uh, the gleaners and I, um, oh my gosh. I just like waded into deep waters with the titles here. <laughs> I know what <laughs> went ahead. <laughs> anyway, and it's follow-ups. So we're constantly reaching a new, new audience. We are constantly reaching a new audience explains Ananev. I think her name is Shig. Um, head of communication and marketing at tank whose audience is made up of 50% of under 35s. Ho ho. Well, look at that. Look the young crowd, the youth of the world. So, um, I think that's, this is talking more about the socioeconomic climate and, and it's demographics and not really the process or anything like that. Right. Um, 35% of the films re released on tank uh, over the last 12 months were more than 10 years old for us. It's part of the programming. We're not a platform, but a heritage doc in the corner of our catalog. It's really part of it. We treat them in the same way as we do contemporary films. I suppose. So I don't know. Is it like preservation of past documentaries or is it trying to expand documentaries into younger audiences newer it, generations i think that's a little of all of that but man the messaging has to be very very hard to reach under 35s that are interested in docs to the point exactly. where you have an entire network dedicated to it now maybe it's a cultural difference because i don't see that being a big draw in the u.s but right. maybe in other countries it is right yeah, you probably hit the nail on the head there. Rarely discussed at MIFC, Heritage Docs proved a common thread running through several events at this 11th edition. I guess the water boiled enough that people said, oh, wow, this is a hot topic. Let's start talking about docs and Heritage Docs and the distribution thereof. One of the things that I, don't, I really don't understand is the, the whole idea of preservation of a documentary digitize the damn thing and go wide distribution it's never right. lost from that point on exactly but, although we've seen that attempt with um i think it was music and that got shut down pretty quickly was it music we featured another article oh like uh, trying to retain yeah it's because yeah. they were trying to archive all of right, these. except there were copyright violations left and right. Yeah, they were archiving the historical record of commercials. Oh, that's what it was. Yes. And and the people who haven't they haven't even streamed these. They haven't looked at them. They haven't they they haven't even looked at the shelf that these reels are on and said, hey, let's digitize these and, and post them somewhere until there was an archivist that was sitting there scanning broadcasts and in copying the segments of the commercials from the shows so that they had an archive of old school commercials and then suddenly they come out of the woodwork and go oh copyright violation so stupid it, it uh, archiving should be Oh, and there's a whole, th I was about to say it should be akin to libraries, but there's whole things about libraries too. copyrights yeah. extend into the libraries where they have to pay a different rate because they distribute it again and again and again, the same purchase copyright is just it's DOA. It needs to be reevaluated for the 21st century and beyond. I'm going to get in trouble with everybody. Oh, we'll have to talk about this another time, but I know people that basically say, well, if I find it online, it's cool. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not how no, it works. No, that's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was shocked and I, I can't go into who they are. Uh, you know, let's just say what they do should prevent them from thinking should tell like them otherwise. <laughs> yeah. 
Ah, uh, okay, let's keep going. Next article is over in Ometown Daily. Thousands of people are cutting off their hair and donating it to help soak up an oil spill in Venezuela that is so large it can be seen from space. And yes, that was one title, one sentence. <laughs> Thousands hey, of people. I don't know. This is just a weird uh, remedy to an oil spill. Well, that's why I titled this Not Sure What Is Worse, Hair or oil spill seen from space. Combining them is kind of... Uh, now I, I feel really bad because I'm about to make the, make it even worse. Thousands of people and their dogs oh have donated their hair to help clean up Lake Maracibo. By the way, dogs didn't donate. It was taken from me. I was going to say, did the dogs give their consent? <laughs> yeah. I don't think so. Would you like to give up your hair? Ruff. Good dog. No. No. I'm, I'm surprised the that there are aren't animal rights. in a corner because they're missing their hair. <laughs> That's right. All the other dogs are pointing at them. Look at that guy. Environmentalists will weave nets out of the hair to stop the oil slick from spreading. The tried and true method has been effective oil cleanup for decades. Oh, God. I just. Do I want to look? Katie Hawkinson over at businessinsider.com put that massive title together. That's some heavy lifting there. I don't know how they did it. That title alone added five pounds to this article's gravitas. <laughs> so Maybe this is one that they couldn't summarize because it would be very confusing without that much detail. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot to unpack Hair as versus it is. oil, you know. <laughs> yeah, and throw the dog in there, so to speak. Um, so environmentalists will weave nets out of the hair, really, to stop the oil uh slick from spreading i guess the mats that's what they do right there i've actually seen this before this basically it turns it into felt but it's a hair mat felt yeah i'm gonna pause that right there uh celine Estrock, I guess, 28, is the founder of the Venezuelan environmentalist organization Proyecto Serena. She and her team are collecting the hair and plan to use it later this month. Estrock told the Post that thousands of people have already donated and some even brought their dogs in for a haircut to contribute to the cause. I guess that's fine if they're getting their hair cut. Everything's, I mean, we do it anyway. Estrock and her team will use the hair to weave nets called booms. That can stop oil slicks from spreading and soak up the oil itself. Esther told the post that two pounds of hair can soak up between 11 and 17 pounds of oil. Not bad. I mean, it gets caught all up in the fibers and between it, like a net. I had actually seen this before, um, the the whole hair into a kind of felt mat kind of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, this this is uh, this is brand new, folks. You'd think that there would be something else, but the only thing um, that uh, what normally gets done is they throw a powder or a liquid flocculent on it. It combines it, then the glob sinks to the ocean floor, contaminates the ocean floor, and kills off the biodiversity for, of animals that can't get away from it. Um, and then it bubbles up later on somewhere else, and you see that sheen. It's all kinds of horrible. So yet another reason just to get away from ocean-based oil drilling um, and make it so that all of the land-based stuff is bunkered in such a way that the oil can't spill out into the waterway. Um, but nope, that would be too expensive because you have to have 35% margins for the stakeholders. <clears throat> so, there isn't much more to this article but you can always go and check it out uh, let me throw the link into the chat 
you sorry I'm starting singing the lyrics let's keep going next article is over in late night geeks humanoid robots face a major test with amazon's digit pilots so um announced amid a deluge of news this week uh delivering the future event in seattle was word that amazon will begin testing agility's digit in a move that could bring the bipedal robot to the nationwide fulfillment centers its baby steps as these things go and such early stage deals aren't necessarily meaning something bigger down the line except that i think it's bigger down the line <clears throat> as in the elimination of the human workforce yeah so a lot of the stuff that goes on inside amazon warehouses is actually these kind of roomba heavy lifters that can slide in underneath one of these racks and move the whole thing over to a human that can pick and pack product well bipedal robots can do the same thing if they were to have fine motor skills to actually reach in and grab something but um these guys can do or these things can do heavy lifting and repetitively again and again forever without having to worry about you know pulling a muscle or having a bad day or you know fighting with their significant other well brian heater put this article together for techcrunch.com the new bipedal robot pilots could be a watershed moment for the industry uh we've actually talked about these uh robots before we've done a a, a short segment in the past about agility agility's digit um take for instance agility's ford pilot when the startup was exploring last mile delivery as a potential way forward not too long after the firm began focusing digits output exclusively on warehouse and factory work in april of last year amazon named agility one of the five um one of the first five recipients of the company's one billion dollar industrial innovation fund you know all those profits that everybody's pouring into amazon um it's not going to the wages of the workers wherein those workers are going huh we need to strike no it's going to pay them as little as the mbas allow or so that they can be replaced by robots so that the coffers can be grown so that they can be replaced by robots yes artificially intelligent robots by the way so as of april of last year amazon named agility one of the first five recipients of the company's one billion dollar industrial innovation fund while being included in the fund doesn't guarantee that amazon will utilize your technology down the road it's a pretty clear indicator that the retail giant is at the very least interested in its potential so when it falls on its face amazon can buy it all up and then close the loop because they were so damn close anyway it would actually be interesting if that's what happens the executive adds that amazon robotics <laughs> has thus far exclusive uh, exclusively traded in wheeled locomotion legs present a good deal of possibility so um I, I, I suppose legs will eventually, um, show up, but Amazon robotics uh, legs don't really do much by the way, they, they're not really good for robots because it takes a whole lot of, um, calculation to know where you are in three dimensional space humans for instance have a big toe and that triggers our brain to take a step forward but something as much as a one eighth of an inch lip on something that we're not used to can cause us to trip and fall on our face it only gets worse when you're there's a delay in that response um and so robots tend to fall over quite a bit until they're trained to anticipate that little lip um so i i think wheels are probably better uh, but they're bigger bulkier messier um and and that's what they talk about amrs um, autonomous mobile robots focused with wheels dates back to 2012 purchase of kiva systems see what i'm saying the the company existed it worked on something it fell on its face amazon buys it 
whose platforms form the foundation of the whole Amazon Robotics. Uh, this is kind of the story of a lot of companies that invest in other companies in mergers and acquisitions mergers and acquisitions <laughs> so you know somewhere in, in in this process right why didn't somebody say to kiva systems hey this is how you fix this so that you you don't collapse but it wasn't said and so they collapse and then they get bought by somebody it's it's just a game to some people but it's people's careers and lives so I guess, you know, whatever. Um, anyway, so that right there is what's going to end up replacing humans. I'd say in many a place, as soon as the fine motor skills gets accomplished, which can be done, but the it's calculations not at the right cost right it's, now, right now it's not at the right cost. Yep. Absolutely. Like I can make a, a hand that operates at the same price point as the entire robotic unit, but putting that hand on the robot would make it inaccessible. So let's keep going. The next article is over in the Marvel channel. These scary movies raise heart rates the, the most, um, according to a study. This is over at the Hill, by the way. So let me throw this into the chat as well. I feel like I skipped something. Yeah, there's one missing from the VOD list. It's okay. Um, so let's go over to <clears throat> uh, the hill. Alex um, Martishoy, I think is their name. Martishoy? I think I'm pronouncing it properly. Um, if there is a video, uh, when you refresh, it starts playing something, but I don't know if it actually has anything to do with it. Um, first overall beats per minute or BPM spikes in heart rate could indicate a movie has effective jump scares that get the blood pumping. The science of scare project strapped heart monitors to 250 test subjects and me measured which horror films impacted their heart rate in two important ways. That's beats per minute and then heart variance, heart rate variance. So did your heart stop for a second? You know, that kind of thing, scared to death for a moment. So here we go. Sinister, Host, Skinamarink, Insidious, The Conjuring, Hereditary, Smile, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, Hell House LLC, which I haven't seen yet. Talk to me. I've seen several of these. Um, just how scary are these movies? As a point of comparison, Shrek has a scare score of three. Okay, so these are a little <laughs> bit scarier than Shrek. <laughs> Sinister is scary. Um, I'm surprised that older movies like Exorcist isn't in here, but I don't know if I'm they were actually in it. I'm surprised this whole list. It looks like it's generally more modern. Yeah, there's actually 50 movies that were assessed. Um, and there's a link at that link that you can go and check out the rest of them. Uh, this is just the top 10. Um, I recently saw a trailer for Skinamarink. I want to watch that. Um, Insidious is the conjuring is good. Um, hereditary. <laughs> that is one creepy movie. Uh, yeah. Um, so a smile, but it's a different kind of creepy, um, but smile was really weird. Um, but hereditary is kind of in the same vein. Hey, by um, the way, Exorcist made number 32 with a scare score of, give me just a second. Sorry, I can't see the top. That's part. interesting. That far uh, down. Scare score of 62. Yeah, I guess that's not that scary. But I guess it really depends on what people are. The cultural relativism is really what matters because when um, when Exorcist came out, it was the preeminent scary movie. And if you grew up around that time and watched it, then it's still imprinted in your head. Right. So does it say, can you tell me what the highest um, spike was, beats per minute? Um. Uh, 
for Sinister was 131 BPM. Yeah, and for Exorcist? Oh, sorry. Um, that would be 89. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That seems rather low. Yeah. Huh, I'm going to have to watch Sinister then. I think I saw some of it, but I don't know if I watched all of it. But, um, now I, I'm going to have to go and look at the trailer to see if I watched it. I'm having one of those moments. Um, okay, let's keep on going. It's a, if you're, this is our, it's Halloween month. It's spooky month. Um, so I wanted to include a scary movie link. So thanks for submitting it. Let's keep going. This next article is over in Stock Marketeers. It's all about business there. When boomers age out of their homes, this is who benefits the most. Apparently it's not their children. One demographic is poised to benefit from the coming silver tsunami, said Mark Fleming, chief economist at First American. Hey, you want to take a stab at what the average mortgage rate is right now? Um, I think it's above 8%. It's 8.6. Yeah. That's at a 700, which is the average. But I've seen that recently. Like, I wouldn't have known it was that yeah. high. Yeah, it's pretty bad, folks. Um, but not as bad as back in the 70s, late 70s, early 80s. Some experts see a silver tsunami of housing inventory becoming available in the next decade. Do you think kids get their houses when the old parents move on to some other? I guess the question is whether the kids want the houses and also, depending on the age difference, like, do the kids already have houses of their own? So the biggest beneficiaries will not be the generations closest in age to the boomers, but their younger counterparts, the Gen Z demographic, one economist said. So it'll skip the generation. That's fascinating. Um, so baby boomers generally considered to be between the ages of 59 and 77 are the demographic that's currently dominating home buying, making up 39% of home buyers, while Gen Z only make up 4%. Gen Z is, by the way, the the group that says that the boomers are what destroyed everything for them. So I suppose them taking everything that the boomers um, age out of is, you know, part and parcel to the new dynamic because it used to just drop to the kids. But now it's right. going to the grandkids. <laughs> Essentially. So the U.S. housing market today is facing a shortage of homes as homeowners hold out selling their current homes so that they can hang on to their mortgages with ultra low rates. The lack of inventory is pushing home prices up, which alongside 30 year mortgage rates inching closer to 8% is straining buying power. It's already above 8%. Last time I looked, which was yesterday, it was 8.6. Um, and that's at 700. Even right. at so 800, that's not for most buyers. even at 800, it was 8.2. So, um, aging boomers may be a source of supply, but only in the longer term, so to speak, I guess it depends on when they say aging out, does that mean like going over the rainbow bridge or I'm going to go with maybe moving Florida. in with kids or going to assisted living. Gotcha. Because I wasn't so, sure either. <laughs> yeah, I'm, and I'm trying to be kind of funny about it. Um, so America is growing older with baby boomer, boomer homeowners totaling 32 million as of 2019 and increasingly becoming a larger source of existing homes for sale, 4.4 million units annually as they transition to other housing options or pass away, which is what we just got done saying, Gary right. B. Engelhart. Professor of Economics in the Maxwell School of Citizenship and Public Affairs at Syracuse University said in a report. So, of course, there's a report. So, cities where the silver tsunami will create housing inventory. The entire state of Florida. All of Arizona. <laughs> well, look at all those Florida cities. Yeah. Cleveland, Dayton, Knoxville, Pittsburgh, according to data from Zillow from 2019. Um, yeah, rapidly rising insurance and maintenance costs, as well as declining availability of homeowners, uh, insurance, 
not homeowners, but homeowners insurance are adding <laughs> one two punch. <laughs> I don't understand how you how do you get a mortgage if you can't get homeowners insurance you in don't, a state where that's a requirement. That there has to be or the insurance is so high that it's almost an untenable position if you want to live in California or Florida. Yes, you have to pay cash, which I know is a oh joke. Nobody can pay cash yeah, right. from home. Yeah. Um, so it says that it comes with some ca caveats. Tucker also said that he's not as enthusiastic about older homeowners being a viable source of housing supply because of where their homes are. And that's what we were just talking about. Um, many of the homes that boomers live in are in markets that have had weak or declining population growth or at least uh, for at least a generation. The Northeast or, nor nor or uh, Midwest. He added that won't help affordability in many of the major markets where affordability is the tightest. So yeah, um, uh, the mortgage rate is the reason why people aren't going to be moving. I think what might end up happening is instead of aging, uh, instead of it being sold and transferred over, and if there is a mortgage, right? Basically, the people go like the the parent will go here. You can live in this. You pay me, I pay the mortgage. That way you don't have to, <laughs> which actually does a horrible thing for the kids' credit history. Right, because then they have no credit history. Yeah. It's good for the short term, but not for future homeownership. I completely skipped over giving credit. So this is a, a marketwatch.com article. Um, I think their name is Artie Swaminathan. Or, or, yeah, Swaminathan. Swaminathan, I think it is Swamin. Yeah, it's Swaminathan um, over at marketwatch.com who wrote this article. Uh, so let's go on to the last article for today. And that is the Spiderwick Chronicles TV show. Yay. I was hoping that this would actually be kind of like a, a horrible nightmare that it's going to be on Roku. So that oh, dead air is me being disappointed yeah so the spiderwick chronicles tv show release date where to watch and everything we know i won't go into all of that part uh, but i just wanted to really this is one of those halloween shows it, it has really nothing to do with halloween but spiderwick chronicles is fantastical world building i love it um, so the spider Chronicles TV show is the long awaited adaptation of Holly Black and, and Tony, uh, Dieterlisi's book series of the same name. The story focuses on twins, Jared and Simon Grace. Uh, once they and their sister Mallory move into the Spiderwick estate in Michigan, they learn of the existence of mystical world of fairies and other fantasy creatures. We actually have talked about this a couple of times, uh, over the last year and 10 months. Um, this says here, guided by Arthur Spiderwick's field guide to the fantastical world around you, the Grace twins begin to explore their new surroundings. This one article is a little bit more on target because it wasn't a coming of age for anything. Um, and it definitely wasn't about the family at all. It was no. pretty much just them, the kids, um, because the I, I didn't, well, I haven't read everything was we even read the books. So. Yeah. Well, I've read the first one, but I haven't read all of it. Um, so there's a, a couple of them. Um, I'm not even sure how many are in the series now, but it's been a while since I even saw the first book, Tom Russell over at screenrant.com put this article together. The show will consist of eight episodes and will be the most ambitious project for the Roku channel to date. The cast, although not featuring A-list stars, includes promising talents such as Lion Daniels, Noah Cottrell as the Grace Twins, and Joy Bryant as their mom, Christian Slater, and uh, Jack Dylan Grazer also star in supporting roles. I haven't heard of Christian Slater being in anything since... Cuffs. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, that's pretty much all that there is to, to say. I mean, you can always watch the, or read this article in, in greater depth to get some more fidelity. And it is a five book series. Five. Apparently. I thought it was three, but so the book series has been con uh, consistently popular and was adapted into a 2008 movie to boot. 
Now Paramount, 20th Century Studios, Roku are bringing a live action The Spiderwick Chronicles TV show to the small screen in 2024 with a cast led by We Can Be Heroes, Lion Daniels, and Gordita Chronicles, Noah Cottrell. Um, there's already plenty to digest when it comes to the upcoming Spiderwick Chronicles series. And so this will be... This will be fun uh, to watch. So I don't know what I have to do to <clears throat> get into Roku, but I guess we'll see. I, I know that there's an app for that, I'm sure. Um, and uh, There's I guess an I'll... app for everything, but I it's crazy with streaming being so balkanized. You have to have 500 streaming apps to watch all the shows you want to watch. You actually beat me to it. Man. And they sit there and go, oh, cut the cord, cut the cord. Now, now you're just in a spider web of cords. And <laughs> the only Probably thing you can do more than you started with. And it's more complicated. Yeah. Uh, now nothing is consolidated. I think the most consolidated app for TV consumption is uh, Apple TV. Or like YouTube TV, for instance. But yeah. even that, you that's a little bit everything. of convergence. It's basically cable, but on the internet which is still a cable damn it folks we didn't do anything it's the aurora uh, auroraborous right <laughs> just it's eating itself constantly it's the same damn thing anyway i'm frustrated with that because it was cheaper to have just cable now i have to pay extra and have 15 apps and know how to use all of them Oh, and, and some of them are... within the apps. <laughs> some don't have very easy use, uh, interfaces. Yeah. Hulu, you suck. I'm looking at you, Wyoming. <clears throat> Has nothing to do. I'm with sorry it. to our Wyoming viewers. <laughs> well, you know, Wyoming viewers, you need to speak to your senior leadership there. Your representative government is really doing you a disservice. Um, so there are eight novels in the series and it's unclear whether the spider chronicles TV show will adapt one book per, per, per season, or if the first season will only cover part of 2003's the field guide, the 2008 has spider failed me. I only located five books. <laughs> <laughs> Watch the, each episode is a summary of one entire novel, but that would suck. Oh God. My monitors are about to fall out of my head. Um, anyway, so that's it for the show. I, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be talking about Spiderwit Chronicles. I think uh, you know, as if I can get into it to watch the show. Um, I really dig the world building in it. Um, it I, it really speaks to me, and I'm probably gonna end up getting the books and and reading through them um, because I really do like the world building in the first and the movie. The the first book in the movie really. Uh, it kind of spoke to me so um it's fun reading and um yeah because a lot of the things that were actually done in the in the movie and from the book um are things that i had written about as well um in uh the there's i have a whole storybook world here in the Aerith channel um that i no longer write and i've actually went looking for my stuff um, and I can't find it anymore except for a little notes here and there. Um, so I would love to be able to rebuild that world, but now I just aggregate world building stuff into it. At any rate, that's it for today, folks. Um, we're going to bring you all the way back to main street. And you know, whenever you walk, uh, you, you leave uh, school or work or something like that, or the gym or um, the, the, uh, if you play football or baseball and you're leaving the, the locker room, you hit the, the, uh, the name of your team or whatever above the door, like giving it a high five kind of a thing. That's right. what we do. That's what we do on the way out. We high five the hometown sign. <laughs> I can't uh, reach it. <laughs> yeah. With. Whiff, whiff, ah, never mind. Oh, it's like a, the Better Off Dead, um, where he lets go of the balloon and he turns around and goes, oh. oh, yes, yes. Yeah, that's that's basically what we just did. Anyway, I'm Merwat. That's hometown.com. Look, there's even a little finger that's pointing right at it. That's hometown.com right there. 
Never mind. It's going like that. Yeah. Are you waving you at me? A cursor. No. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting out of here. <laughs> Let me finish this. Uh, I am Merwat. That is OwnTown.com. And up there is the sentient AI that's completely driving this bus off the road. <laughs> Good night, hometown citizens. We Ugh. will see you tomorrow at about 6 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, it'll be 6. Uh, wait, we have an event, so I don't know how fast we're going to get back. Okay. 6 o'clock it is then. Bye-bye, everybody. See, sometimes the intro, the outro doesn't play. I don't know what that's all about. Inside baseball, everybody. Bye-bye.